It's really lovely to be here with you all today, and I was just chatting to Mel, actually, and I was thinking, it's all like I know some of you, which is amazing, isn't it? We were talking about that connection that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ, that you meet people, and I was praying with the Toms in the break, which was lovely. <laughs> I love how God does that, and he gives you a word of knowledge, and you think, ooh, do I go for this? But actually, I think it's a real encouragement, and I think maybe for all of you here this weekend, I just thought it was an encouragement for all of you, that God just wants to say, you know, you're seen by me, you're known by me, and I've got, you know, I've got really good things for you. So it was great hearing Claire talk earlier on, um, and I think that's a really amazing foundation, isn't it, for your weekend of actually, like, what does it mean to live from the inside out? What's it supposed to look like? You know, Jesus promises us life and life in all its fullness, and that's what we want to be living, isn't it? Um, so like Claire said earlier on, I, I kind of I do a variety of things. Um, I've got two young children myself, and um, I also help run the holiness course for Claire, do some things at Woody's and some things um, in the south of the city as well. Um, and I'm really passionate about freedom, particularly freedom from fear. And that, I think, I feel really well qualified actually to stand up here because I am somebody that if you say you could have a degree or a master's in fear and anxiety, I would literally be someone who would have passed with honours. Like, amazing, not really in a good way, but actually it's amazing. I'm going to share a bit of my story in a moment about how God's actually redeemed that and, and has really used that. So I wondered if we could just start um, this morning by thinking, if, if a lion walked through this door now, you know, what do you think you're going to do? Are you going to just be like, oh, a lion, lovely, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I would be legging it. <laughs> I'd probably be leaving this way. probably wouldn't necessarily even be concerned about the rest of you, I'm afraid. I would just be off. Um, what would you be doing? Yeah. Screaming, yeah. Sorry? Freeze. Freeze, yeah. Because there, there is actually a, a fight or flight response isn't it, that happens in our body. There is an appropriate response to fear sometimes that we either freeze or we kind of go into flight mode and we'll you know, get all the adrenaline and everything. So, so I think when we think about fear, I think it's good just to remember that you know, there is an appropriate response to fear. Sometimes fear does stop us from doing crazy things like walking out in front of a car or if a lion's there, you know, you're going to run away. But I think the sense I had when I was praying and preparing about today and what I feel that God has got for you guys is actually for us to really think about the fact that fear can also be subtle and fear actually can really permeate lots of areas of our lives, almost like a shadow shrouding us and actually we can become kind of oppressed by it. And I was looking up just now, what does it mean, what does oppressed mean? I have to unlock my phone. Bear with me. Um, and it's, it says, governed, governed in an unfair and cruel way and prevented from having opportunities and freedom. And I just thought, it's just, for me, it was a helpful image. When you think of something like a shadow or something oppressing you, it's not saying that actually you're not living life or you're not doing anything, but I think it's restricting the fullness of who you are. And so my story, which I'm going to share in a moment, is a little bit about that, about how for 29 years I was oppressed, I was restricted, and I wasn't living a life of freedom. And then how God broke in and brought me freedom and is walking me out through that. And I feel today that actually that's what he's got for all of you. That actually there might just be a few things as you sit in this room and you think, well, I don't, you know, I don't really resonate with fear. I'm not anxious. I don't feel fearful. Um, but actually there might be subtle ways that fear has just got a little bit of a hold. And actually maybe God, you know, even now as I'm speaking, just be asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. Is there any way that fear might be, you know, just that got a little bit of a hook in your life? 
And I was thinking about how, you know, people in our families, people in our friendships, sometimes they can justify our fears, can't they? They can amplify them sometimes and they can also magnify them. And sort of working out, I was thinking, perhaps have a little think. Can you think of the most anxious person you know? You know, is it you? Is it somebody in your family? Is it a child? Is it a grandparent? You know, or, yeah, just have a little think. Hold in your mind when I'm talking, maybe that person, and, and what does that look like to be someone who's quite fearful? Um, because it's all around us. I think, like Claire said earlier on, we actually are now living in the age of anxiety. It's something that seems to be almost like a low hum across a lot of people's lives. Like, I live in a little village and um, have kind of a ministry around mums. I've seen lots of mums come to faith in the last sort of five years. So many of them, though, struggling with a real sense of anxiety, depression, like a real theme and a real need that, you know, when I share my story with them, I'm like, I can share my story with you, but actually I know ultimately what you need is God. Because Jesus is the only one that can walk you through this and actually show you what freedom looks like. Um, and just a little anecdote, last night I was talking to my father-in-law, a great, great man, um, he's going to be 70 this year, um, he's been a Christian for at least 50 years, I'd say. And I came home and he said, oh, I was, um, I was talking to Joshua this evening, he's quite a serious man, and my son, we need to bear in mind my son is seven and a half, okay. So I was talking to him about careers, because he really needs to know what he wants to do. I'm thinking, he's seven and a half, give the boy a break. <laughs> And then this got me and said, so I started telling him he could be an aviation crash investigator. <laughs> right, the backdrop of this is literally two weeks ago we booked our first family holiday flying to New York, okay? My children have never been on a plane before, and now my father-in-law has introduced the concept of an <laughs> aviation flight crash investigator. Cheers. So... I was like listening to him, I was like, okay, so say, you know, he needs maths, he needs, I was like, this is great, lovely, okay. And he was like, and then I was sort of telling him, you know, because he says he wants to be a footballer, but he's got to be realistic. So, <laughs> I just thought, interesting, okay, right, yeah. Um, and the thing is, he's a really passionate man, and he wants the best for Joshua. So I'm not saying that it's all misguided, but I was reflecting that actually for him, and for a lot of his life, and I'm not sure he would recognise this, and I wonder if any of you recognise this, a lot of his decisions are actually based around fear. So actually him wanting to share with Joshua about careers or what he could do, it's not, you know, partly I'm sure his motivation is pure and he wants the best of it, but I think actually if you peel it back far enough, there's a fear there. What if he doesn't end up doing the right thing? What if he doesn't actually fulfil his potential? What if he misses out? And I think that's partly because in his own life he's felt like that. And so he's trying to like, you know, he doesn't want Joshua to experience the same things that he's felt. But I, it just got me really thinking about today, and I really felt like what God wants to highlight for, for you as a group is that actually sometimes fear isn't always obvious. It isn't always, you know, that right in your face like a lion. And I, I often think that sometimes the enemy uses it almost in a really subtle way, almost like through the back door. And it's the subtle thoughts that actually make you doubt yourself or your ability. It could be um, regret, fear of regret. Oh, what if I make the wrong decision? And that can leave you in a place of almost indecision because you think, I'm just not going to do anything then because then I won't have made the wrong decision. Um, and it could be a fear of lost opportunities, actually fear of missing out. So I wonder if just a question to start with this morning, can you just ask yourself, are my motivations sometimes um, fearful? Am I, am I making choices? Am I making decisions about life that are actually based on fear? And even things like asking yourself, am I afraid of what people think about me? Am I afraid of their opinions of me? 
Because I think fear of man is another way that often we don't think out and out fear and anxiety, fear of, of man. But actually that is another way that fear can, can gain a little bit of a, um, a space in our life that isn't meant to. And um, the problem with fear is, it's like that oppression lead. It actually restricts our ability to lead an abundant life. And it's what Claire was talking about, actually, that Jesus promises us life in abundance. And actually the world needs life in abundance. The world needs, like when I work with these mums in, in the village where I live, a lot of them are looking for meaning. They're desperate. They're spiritually so open. You know, some of the mums are like, I put it out there to the universe. And, you know, they're really interested. And, but they need an answer. And they need it to look like something. And actually, so I think I'm really passionate um, saying to Mel on the break, like, I feel real cool on my life that God's called me to help people to find freedom because that's my story. But I feel like that's something that's, you know, it's not just for the ones or the twos, that's for all of us to be living that story and for all of us to be kind of sharing that with the world around us. <clears throat> so just a little bit of my story, because I think it's helpful actually to build our faith, to realise that we do serve a God of the supernatural and that he is doing the supernatural um, all the time. Um, I grew up in a home that wasn't really Christian, although my parents normally took me to church to get me to the local church school, which was very kind of them. Um, and when I was about two, my mum took me to a child psychologist, um, which is, I feel is quite extreme, so I'm 35 this week, actually. So this 30-odd years ago that I went to see a psychologist, and she said my behaviour was just so anxious. So from a very young age, it was almost like anxiety and fear were just there, right from my birth. And I sort of went through my childhood, didn't really know any different, but my behaviour was, you know, quite erratic and quite anxiety-fuelled. Like, I remember my first day at school being sick all the way up the corridor of school. And you sort of look at that and think, that's not a great first day at school, is it? Not a great first impression either when you're four. Um, so it, it was, you know, it wasn't very nice, but I learned to cope with it. So I went through school, got into my early 20s, I got engaged to my husband, um, and we've been married 11 years this year, and... I also started teaching um, at a, quite a tough school in Knoll West in Bristol. I don't know if you're familiar with Knoll West, quite a tough estate. And so I was like planning my wedding and being a teacher, and I guess that was a bit of a trigger, and my anxiety just sort of came back with a man. And I had cognitive behaviour therapy, I had counselling, and all those things were really, really helpful. And I felt like they helped me to understand myself better, but I felt they only dealt with the symptoms of what I was experiencing. They didn't actually deal with the root of my anxiety. And I'd seen my dad have depression and anxiety, my granddad had depression and anxiety. So I'd seen this sort of stuff modelled from an early age. So I was quite an expert in absorbing it as well as living it. And um, I got to this point, I suppose, where I remember one day sitting at home in our little house in St. Anne's and I just remember saying to God, I just don't want this anymore. It's so debilitating. It's not my confidence. I'm not living a full life. You know, I'm a Christian. It says in the Bible, do not fear. It says that I can have perfect peace. Where is it? Because <laughs> I am not experiencing it. Um, and so I remember that moment. I still can, I can picture it even now as I describe it to you. And I really feel like that was the moment I invited God in to do something about it. Which might sound strange because I was 16 when I became a Christian. And this was probably, I was like 28, 29 when I prayed that prayer. But I think I hadn't quite tallied up that it was almost like I was going in tandem with God. And God was involved in my life. But I hadn't actually invited him in to that particular area of my life. Um, and then I was at a prayer ministry training day actually up at Woodlands and I remember uh, they had a word of knowledge about who they were going to pray for healing for and I knew before they'd even done it it was going to be me you know you get that sense of like oh god I know you're doing something today and I'm not sure I'm on board with it um, and so I went up the front <laughs> and uh, Dave uh, Mitchell and Claire they prayed for me and, and I remember they were praying for me 
thinking, I know that what you're praying about isn't, you know, isn't the thing that I've said here. I know that God's doing something deeper. I could just sort of sense it. And I left the prayer minister training there, and I'll be honest, I felt terrible. Um, there's no reflection on the training day. It's very good and highly recommended. But um, it was because God was stirring up something within me that actually wanted to sort out. And so I remember the next day, my husband, lovely man, very gentle, patient and kind, but he said to me, he's like, I really think you need to go and spend some time with God because, to be honest, I can't really handle you right now. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so you know it was bad. So I just spent, I went up to my room, I sat on my bed, and I just said, God, um, I don't know what's going on, but my anxiety is really bad. I just feel a sense of dread, a sense of fear. Almost like I was carrying around me all the time. The way I describe it was that just felt like I was waiting for a really bad thing to happen at any moment, like a bomb was going to go off, but it felt like that all the time. And it was in here, in my stomach, where I felt like I carried that. And so um, I just had this quiet time with God, and I just felt like God said to me, right, you need to command fear and anxiety to go in my name. So I was like, okay, I can do that. So, um, but I also felt there was this sort of interaction going on with God, where I felt like he say, do you trust me? I was like, yeah, yeah, I trust you. And so as I prayed that prayer, I just had this amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit, where he drew out from my stomach, I guess, this fear and anxiety. And there were a few episodes like that. I was at home, I was praying on my own, and there was one final time I was praying my husband in the lounge, and I actually saw, spiritually, I had my eyes shut, but I saw this black, flat shape leave me. And, and one of the words that um, the day when he was praying for me had said is, it's now time to live out from under the shadow. And so it was a really amazing picture for me, actually. It felt like it was God showing me the root was gone. Like, that was the moment that that root of fear and anxiety left me when I was in my lounge. But the next morning, I woke up, and I felt dreadful. Because the only way I can describe it is that actually for 29 years I'd lived inside, almost like one of those dog cages that you put your dog in something chewing your entire kitchen. And then you open the door of this cage and I was like, I don't want to go out there. Like, at least with fear and anxiety, I know what it is. I'm safe in my little cage. It's not pleasant, but it's safe. And I really feel like the last six years have been this journey of God showing me actually this life of freedom is abundant and it is full and it is amazing, but actually it's been a real choice to choose to trust God in it because actually we can say freedom and it is amazing and it all sounds wonderful, but actually do we really want freedom? And I think that's a question for us all say, do we want to be free? Because actually it's a choice and it's a choice of our will that actually even when it doesn't feel comfortable and we're walking into freedom, are we going to choose to trust God in that time as well? Because we know that what he says is good and that what he's got for us is good. So I feel like that's a question today because I think my sense for all of us today is actually what is the shadow for us? What is what, what does fear look like for us? Is there anything in our lives that is just almost casting a bit of a shadow that means we're not living quite as full and abundantly as actually Jesus says that we can? And so, you know, if we're thinking about anxiety and fear, it can look like a number of different things, can't it? Like that sense of like something really bad's going to happen. You know, maybe that's something that you sometimes experience, or it can be you're in the middle of the night, you wake up and you think, oh, those thoughts are just like running around your head. What, you know, what about that? What's happening there? I don't know. Um, and I think maybe just have a little think now. What does it look like for you? You know, do any of those things ring true? Is it actually that you're frightened that your boss is going to turn around to you and be like, do you know what? What you did there wasn't good enough, actually. That wasn't very good. And actually, is your whole internal confidence all based around performance actually is your world going to crumble because you've been confronted in that moment with something that actually you don't feel very secure in now i think when we struggle with anxiety and with fear to whatever extent 
we can come up with coping strategies. So for myself, when I remember I had loads of counselling, she would say, oh, what you're using is a safety behaviour. So for me, my safety behaviours were fairly random. They were a packet of polos and rescue remedy, stuff you put on your tongue. And I carried them absolutely everywhere because I felt like they kept me safe. And sometimes a brown paper bag because I had been prone to quite a few panic attacks. So that was always a good little tool. So I had a little toolkit of my safety behaviours. But I wonder today what your safety behaviours are. Obviously, I had very extreme anxiety. It was called generalised anxiety disorder. That was probably the very far end of the spectrum. Now, some of you sitting here today are probably thinking, well, I don't struggle in that way. But I just wonder if you've got other ways that you might cope and what your safety behaviours might be. It might be hiding. So actually, it might be that we hide who we are because we don't really want people to see who we are because we're actually afraid. If they see who we really are, they might not accept us or they might not love us. It might be um, escapism. It might be that you're someone that just watches loads of series on Netflix and likes to just get lost in the TV and just actually not want to engage with God or the world. Or sleep. Sleep was another way I used to really escape how I was feeling. Because, to be honest, because I didn't know peace at all for 29 years, sleep was the only place I had peace because I was asleep. Actually, look, I think that's really sad, really, <laughs> because now I know an amazing, deep peace that has transformed my entire world, but I didn't know it back then, so I used to escape using sleep. Control. Do we try to control people or situations because actually it makes us feel safe? <coughs> For me, if I was somewhere like this when I was struggling with my anxiety, I would be sitting on that end seat there because I was really close to the exit, or if I were near to a toilet, because often I had to go and sit. Um... And it might not be something as extreme as that, but also I think it's worth just noticing that sometimes these things start off as small little things, but left unchecked can grow into more kind of compulsive behaviours. It might even be thought cycles. And I think sometimes we think a lot about behaviour, but behaviour often starts with a thought or, or with something in our minds. So just, you know, worth checking in. Actually, what are the things I spend a lot of my time thinking about? Are they thoughts around, oh, I wonder how someone thought about me in that conversation, or oh, I shouldn't have done that, or I shouldn't have said that, or I look stupid there, or, you know, just checking in and being like, what, are, what is my thought life like? What do I spend a lot of my time thinking about? And I think the other thing is that often what can happen is we can just partner with this inner critical voice and, and lies about ourselves, and it's like we're kind of, it's not necessarily things that we're doing that has resulted in that, but actually lies that we've believed, or oh, I'm rubbish at that, or oh, I'll never amount to anything. And we might have heard other people say them over us plenty of times in our own families or at work. Or, and they might have been things people have said over us years ago. But actually, we haven't realised that that's having an effect on us 20 years later. And we haven't forgiven that person, sort of broken agreement with that life. That can still be having an effect on us today. Um, so I wonder if you can just have a little think. Are there any lies that you have believed about yourself or that you're believing about yourself today, about your self-worth? about your place, even here on this church weekend away, thinking, oh, people don't really want me here, actually. I probably should have stayed at home. Or I'm not, I'm not as good a Christian as that person over there. Or my faith doesn't seem as... And they can be really subtle. And I think sometimes it's the subtle things that really trip us up because we don't notice them. Um, but there's good news. Hooray. <laughs> um, so the good news is that actually we don't have to live like that. You know, for me... Whenever I share my story, I love sharing it because it reminds me of God's faithfulness and it reminds me of God's power and the fact that he is alive and active and wants to change our circumstances. Um, and the whole point is that Jesus came to set the captives free, didn't he? 
and to defeat the powers of darkness when he died on the cross and he rose again. That is why we can have freedom. It's not something we have to like strive for or earn or work ourselves up into. It's a gift that's really given. Um, but I think there is a part for us to respond to that invitation to trust. And I don't think that's a one-time choosing to trust. Certainly in my journey of six years, there have been some times where I've gone to Claire and gone, oh. Like, it's, it's quite daunting, walking in freedom, which sounds crazy, but it's just, for me, when I've been so confined, it's a really wide open space. And I'm having to choose to trust that actually, God, what you've got for me is good, and what you've got for these people is really good. And I, there's this verse that I actually remember God gave me back when I first became a Christian. And um, it, it, even now, actually, someone asked me in the week about, about doing something, and I sort of graciously basically said no. And I was reflecting on it afterwards, that actually this is a real, this is what I feel the call on my life is, and it's Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released. I just think it's such an amazing call, isn't it, for all of us. Like, that is the fundamental call of us as Christians, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. He's anointed us to bring good news to the poor, sent us to comfort the brokenhearted, and to proclaim that captives will be released. And I just think that is (coughs) taking Jesus at his word. That is what we're called to do. Um, So what does that look like, then? What does it mean to see the captives released. And, and I guess, like, we also have to be aware that we are in an age where there are lots of severe mental health things going on as well, aren't there? It's not as, it's not as straightforward sometimes as we'd like it to be. And so I suppose there's always that health warning that's like, if you've got a severe disorder, you know, like, like I described, we always would encourage people to see their doctors, see their GP. And, you know, there is possibility for, like, medication and counselling and cognitive behavioural therapy. All those things can be helpful, but I think it's not saying it's either or. It's saying actually that alongside really praying and believing that God can change things. Um, yes. <laughs> um, and, but I think also we need to recognise the spiritual dimension of fear. And I suppose my story is, you know, when I share it, sometimes I feel like, oh, people might be thinking, I've shared it with non-Christian friends as well. And actually they seem really like, oh, that's really cool. So who knows what's going on there. Um, but I think that we must recognise that there is a distinctly negative spiritual dimension to fear. And I don't think it's something we need to be afraid of. I almost think of it like a cold. It's like a spiritual cold. And actually, the conditions are right. It, it draws in and it pulls in other things. So I think about my own life. I think there were things from my birth that meant that there were conditions almost were right for fear and anxiety to grow. You know, my dad obviously had depression and anxiety. There were lots of other things going on that meant there was almost like this bit of a, like... Um, fertile ground but I think the fear sort of spirit of fear element can sometimes amplify and mean that people can get trapped or stuck in a kind of cycle of anxiety or fear so um, I think when we talk about it and thinking about it a bit like a cold or an infection is just a helpful way of being able to say is there a way that we feel more of a slave to something than actually having the ability to choose so I would say the difference between before God intervenes and I had those powerful encounters with God and after and actually, this came from my mum, who is not a Christian, but it was an amazing conversation. So I basically shared everything that had happened, and she just turned around and said, so I suppose, really, before you encountered God in that way, you were a slave to fear and anxiety, and now you can choose. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, mum. So I just love how God speaks through <coughs> everyone. Um, so I just think, maybe just have a think in your own life. Is there anywhere where you feel stuck in a real pattern, like entrenched, almost like, tractor tyres, really well-worn, trodden path where you just feel you can't escape from. 
that maybe there's sometimes there is that almost like a spiritual element of something there. There isn't the ability to choose. Um, so how do we find freedom then from fear and anxiety? What does it look like to find freedom? Now, when I um, began this journey uh, six, six or so years ago, God gave me a verse um, from Zephaniah 3.17, which has been just this amazing verse that it's like he reminds me of it time and again. People write in my birthday cards, um, people turn up with it, it's on the radio, it's like whenever I need to hear it, God reminds me of it. And so sometimes I think it's really helpful when you're going through a season that feels challenging and tough to just ask God for a Bible verse that is really pertinent and speaks to you. And Zephaniah 3.17 says, I'm doing it from memory, so, <laughs> the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He takes great delight in you and he rejoices over you with singing. And I just think it's such a powerful verse. It's just got everything in there, really, hasn't it, for me? <laughs> um, so I just think that has basically been my journey, that actually the Lord my God is with me, he is mighty to save, you know, it, it's with his love that he calms all my fears, he takes great delight in me, so it's about my identity, who am I, I'm his, he delights in me, and he rejoices over me with singing, and I've just found, I've come back to that time and time again, and I think for us today that that could be just a place to find that reassurance that God is for us, and I think finding our acceptance in who God says we are is really powerful, it's almost like God can do that internal work like he did in me, but then I, which was an amazing power encounter, wasn't it? But then I need to choose to trust him and live in the truth. So I can't just rely on that one-time encounter with God, although he did take away that route. I can just easily fall back right into that. So I then had to sort of move into this place of like, so what's the truth, God? What do you say about me? Who do you say I am? And that's been a real place of finding out who I am in him, that I am loved by God, that I'm accepted, um, and actually finding my new identity. And so... Um, in 1 John 4, it says, perfect love drives out fear. So I've had to let God show me what perfect love looks like. I've had to let God show me what it looks like for him to father me, for me to understand my new identity. And I've also had to understand authority. It says in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So actually understanding that when we ask things to go or when we command fear to leave, that we have authority to pray in the same way that Jesus prayed, that we have access to the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that there's power when we pray those sort of prayers, you know, like I was praying earlier on. So I think, just to finish, we're going to have a little bit of ministry time before lunch, I want to make sure we need time for that, but I wonder if today, maybe the things that we can think about when we think about coming out from under this shadow is, first of all, revelation. Actually just asking God, God, are there any areas of my life that actually fear has got a little bit of a hook? a little bit of a way in and I haven't even noticed and um, there's that amazing verse in Psalm 139 that says search me O God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts and I often find myself praying that because as much as I find the most amazing amount of freedom I always know there's more and I always know that actually if I'm not alert sometimes it just like slips back in like a little thought or a little behaviour, or a little action. It's like, and it can be really subtle, but actually, if left unchecked, can just sort of build up. I think there's a place for repentance, just saying, actually, out of a place of fear or anxiety, Lord, I have chosen to trust in other things that aren't you. And I think just maybe asking yourself today, actually, am I trusting in people? Am I trusting in my job? Am I trusting in financial security? Where am I finding my sense of trust, or, or who am I trusting in? Or am I trusting in myself? Actually, maybe you're someone here who just feels really confident 
self-assured, and you're like, I don't know where I don't really feel like I need God because life's good. Actually, that's another little place where sometimes we can just slip up a little bit. We can almost become a bit complacent. We need to recognise our authority. Like I said earlier, I think that's a real key to freedom, actually, that we are, we are powerful people and we can command fear and anxiety to go, but also have faith that it will go. And I think there was a real, really remember just that day in my room, that real transaction between God saying, do you trust me? And me saying yes. But also I had to have faith to believe he was going to do something, didn't I, in that moment? Because, you know, and I guess the proof of that is six years on, Fear and anxiety has gone. Like, I cannot feel it. It's amazing. I sort of, like, I look for it. I remember for about a year afterwards, I'd be like, because I used to just be able to say the word fear, and I would feel it. It was like a really instant connection. It's, it's like it's not there. It's just it's amazing. Um, also, renouncing. So just if there's any lies we've believed, just maybe asking God right now as you sit here, actually, have I been believing any lies about myself, about my circumstances? Is there any way that I've just, yeah, believed a lie? And then I think... These two things are really, they go together, but they're really important. Asking God to restore our identity. We're always meant to be his child, aren't we? Actually, do we let him parent us? Do we let him father us? Do we trust that he is in control so we don't have to be? And, um, but also I think he wants to bring healing. It's not like he's like, well, you know, we've got authority, you know, pray this stuff in. Actually, he wants to heal us from the wounds of the past as well. So it's not saying that he is just moving us on. He doesn't want us to be stuck in the past. And also asking us to renew our mind. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So actually, I think there's two things that happen there. I think God does renew our mind, and there's, you know, scientific evidence for that, the plasticity of the brain is there, and how our minds can be renewed. But also I think we need to choose to trust in that moment to change the way we think. So actually we need to, sorry, we need to choose to think in a new way. Um, And so that is about going back to the Bible, isn't it? Getting God to renew our mind, but also, you know, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, if anything is, sorry, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And sometimes I have to do a real check-in, especially if I'm having a bit of a bad day. I'm like, what have I been thinking about in the last hour? And I sort of, I'm challenged. I'm like, oh, actually, those thoughts have not been great, have they? No wonder I'm feeling so terrible. Um, so checking in, what are we thinking about? And then the last one, which is basically what I've done this morning, is about reaching out. So actually sharing your story. Everybody in this room has a really powerful story to tell. And I'm really passionate about people sharing their stories because I think they're the key of increasing people's faith. Um, And actually, I was just thinking actually about how God gave me the word knowledge of Tom earlier on and I prayed with two of the Toms in the break. I was thinking maybe later, it'd be really great actually to get the Toms, as I'm going to call them, (laughs) to share. But how did that make them feel? What happened? Because I think our faith, faith in the room rises when we realise, oh... God's speaking in this moment to me. He sees me. And I just think, that's just amazing. And actually, amazingly, in the break, Mel just said, oh, can I pray for you? I just thought it was a real anointing on your life to bring freedom to people. And I was thinking, yes, please. (laughs) This is amazing because I know that's exactly what God's been speaking to me about as well. And it's in those moments where you're like, someone's saying something, but they don't know it unless God reveals it to them in that moment. And I think sometimes we can be almost a bit, I don't know, a bit British about our stories. Like, I can't share with you because... Well, you're not going to want to know about me. And I think it's what Claire was saying earlier on. We can end up in this place of false humility. But actually, the world is desperate to hear our stories. And what I have found with them, I've seen seven, I think seven months come to faith in the last seven years, something crazy in Clutton, which is a tiny village, I should probably point out. Um, And the key, actually, I think, of seeing that is when I've shared my story. Because there's something in our story that is irrevocably kind of 
you, you just have to accept it, don't you? It's not me saying the Bible says this, blah, 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 which obviously comes into it, but it's me saying, this is what I've seen God do in my life. And they're like, do you know what? I want God to do something like that in my life too. And so I think that a challenge maybe for you guys today is to think, when did I last share my story? When did you last tell even a family member or anyone about what God's done? Because there's a verse in Revelation that says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And I just think it's so powerful to own your story, tell others what God has done for you, and declare the freedom he's brought you. And it will be a, this sort of ever-evolving story. So as I declare, actually, God brought me freedom from this, but I'm almost declaring it's still more to come, and I'm still expecting for the more. And so it's not being content just to be like, oh, is that it then? Is this life? <laughs> I feel there's a real call that's like, there's more. Actually, but we've got to push into it. We've got to be expectant for it and have faith to believe that God has got more for us. So, I'm going to stop there. Um, but I think if we could have a bit of time, we've got about 10 minutes, sorry. Sorry, I really feel called to share a testament. Oh, that's all right. Amazing, yes. Just do it. <laughs> First of all, just thank you so much for what you shared. God has so anointed you for this. Um, Steve, I'm, I'm hoping... What I'm about to share is really quite personal. Um, yeah, maybe sort of. <laughs> um, you know, aware that in the past they were more ambitious spiritually than they are currently. And maybe some people in, in the room, you know, you're young, you're at the beginning of your kind of Christian journey in a way, but, you know, he wants you to be spiritually ambitious. And there are things sometimes life can really knock the edges of that. But this is a time in history where we need you to be spiritually ambitious for your area of life, whatever it is, and um, I feel like God's saying you're free to be ambitious, and I just had a picture of a, train, uh, a runner training, um, like an athlete training, saying it's absolutely appropriate to train and to um, think about winning, winning this race, it's absolutely right, and one of the things you're going to need is that kind of the input of the secret place, that's, that's the fuel of the long distance runner, is the secret place, and so I just feel like I want to pray for that to be increased in the room. But a couple of other things. One is um, I had a picture of water being poured out onto sand and I felt like there was somebody here who feels like um, whenever the, the, the Spirit is invited and you sort of feel a sense of the Holy Spirit coming, you feel like it just drains away to nothing the minute you walk out of the you can't seem to retain a sense of the presence of God in your life away from Christian meetings. I'd love to pray for you if that's you, because I feel like God wants to show you how to make the soil of your life not sand, but soil, good soil. Third thing is, I used to know somebody whose dad was a lion tamer. (laughs) He really was. He was in the circus and his dad was a lion tamer. And this guy was a real tough cookie. And he's had a very difficult life. And his dad, basically, had really been a hard, hard man. And um, I feel like there might be somebody here who, um, who's been tra- sort of trained in that school of, you know, life is hard, so toughen up. And, um, you know, maybe in your past that's been how you've managed your fears. And, and actually the call of the Spirit today is to say... It's not like that in the kingdom. You don't just tough it out. You you partner with the power that made the universe. That is how you manage your fear and that's how you manage challenges. And that's something that Laura is expressing, that sense of, well, actually, you know, it's, it's an adventure being 
spree of fear, it's a bit scary that God's not going to eradicate risk. You've got to learn how to walk and be willing to take risks. So, yeah, God, I just pray by the power of your spirit that, um, yeah, if those are things that are unlocking things for people, we just really want to partner with you. We agree with you, God, that you're at work even now. You will be for the rest of the day. So we just say yes to you and the work of your spirit now. Make us spiritually ambitious. I pray, God, that every person in the room would go up a notch today and say, I want to be more in the kingdom than I was yesterday. I want to be more holy, more connected to God, more, more able to read the Bible and go into the secret place. I want to have that appetite renewed. I want to be a risk taker. I want to be more prophetic. I want to be somebody who prays for healing and sees healing happening. I want to be wise in the kingdom. So I just pray, God, let us go up a gear. And I just say to you, give you permission to be spiritually ambitious, each one of you. There's no one who is excluded from this. You Be spiritually ambitious. Yes, says God to you. Yes to one of those things. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And we'll talk more a bit about that.